If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 2. I want to give you a little background as to what is happening in this passage of Scripture. King David has died. His son Solomon has been made king over the nation. But Solomon's older, everybody say older. His older brother, Adonijah, does not like the fact that his younger brother has been made king. So he goes to Solomon's mama. Anybody know who that is? Bathsheba, right? He goes to his mama and asks a favor from her, but ultimately this request is going to get him killed. But I want you to see what Adonijah says in verse 15. Verse 15. Then Adonijah said, you know that the kingdom was mine and all of Israel had set their expectations on me that I should reign. However, everybody say however. However, However, the kingdom has been turned over and has become my brother's for it was his from the Lord. The NIV says it this way, but things changed. But things changed. The message translation says it this way. The whole thing backfired. It was God's doing. The New Living Translation says the tables were turned and this is the way the Lord wanted it. Folks, I'm here to declare to you today, it is turnaround time for the saints of God. It is turnaround time for the church. We serve the God of turnaround. Did you know that? Zephaniah 3.9, God said he would turn things around for his people. Now, let me tell you, I'm well aware of the condition of the American church. And I'm keenly aware that the New England area where we live so lacks the gospel that all six New England states are now considered the third largest unreached people group in the world. I understand that the moral foundation of our nation is being eroded. I know that the tapestry of the God-designed family is being pulled apart. And I know the uphill battle it seems that we are faced with as a church and how it looks like the devil is winning. But I also know how big God is. Come on, the God we serve is the God of turnaround. Amen? Now listen, it wasn't too long ago we watched him overturn Roe versus Wade. And he is not done yet. Amen? You're going to see a whole lot of other stuff start to turn around. We serve the God of turnaround. He turns barrenness into babies. Amen? He takes the Red Sea and makes it a highway. He turns water into wine. He takes a small boy's lunch and makes it a banquet for thousands. He still cleanses the leper, makes the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak, and the broken to be restored. He turns sinners into saints. He turns losers into winners. He takes zeros and makes them heroes. Amen? He takes addiction and makes it freedom. He takes lack and makes it abundance. He takes sickness and makes it healing. Our God is a God of turnaround. He'll turn your mourning into dancing. He'll turn your sorrow into joy. He'll turn your graves into gardens. And he'll turn your shame into glory. He takes what the enemy meant for evil. And he reverses the curse and turns it around for our good. See, what you thought was a setback was just a set up so God could show up and show off in your life. Amen. And I'm just telling you right now, we're in a season of turnaround. We're in a season where we as the church are going to start to see the unusual, the uncommon and the unordinary. Amen. That's exactly what happened in Solomon's life. According to tradition, according to protocol, according to politics, according to procedures, Solomon should have never been king. 
The firstborn is king, right? Adonijah should have been made king. The scripture even agrees with us. 1 Kings 2.15, all of Israel, all of Israel had the expectation I was going to be king, right? But the God of turnaround stepped in. Things changed. Plans backfired. You see that little special word there, however? However. It's a conjunctive adverb. However, that one word changed everything. It was supposed to be this way. However, it's now going to be this way. Can I tell you folks that one word from God will change everything? You really don't need talent. You really don't need looks. You really don't need smarts, education, money, fame, or power. You just need one word from the God of turnaround. Amen? I'm telling you, that co-worker, they may have been at work there longer. They may have had more seniority than you. However, God's going to give you the promotion. Come on, somebody say amen. Other people more qualified than you may have applied for the job. However, God's going to get the job to you. Amen? Listen, that disease might have taken out other family members. However, you are coming into health and vitality. Other people might have lost the battle to depression. However, God is bringing you out of that darkness. Can I tell you, some of you I know are facing mountains that seem insurmountable in your life. Some of you have some valleys that seem so deep in the natural, you're saying, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how this is going to change. Can I tell you, stop focusing on the how and focus on the however. Focus on the however of God, because listen, God's about to level some mountains. He's about to exalt some valleys. He's about to take some crooked paths and make them straight. Amen? Why? Because it's turnaround time. What may have limited you in the past is not going to limit you anymore. What held you back yesterday is not going to hold you back today because we are in a season of turnaround. He will take the sickness and make it health. He will take the loneliness and give you companionship. He'll take the child that is off track and turn them around so they get back on track. Amen? He'll take poverty and turn it into prosperity. He'll take those who have actually been against you to now before you. He'll reverse the vicious rumors spoken about you, and he will reverse the unjust curses spoken over you. And listen, the stumbling block is now going to become a stepping stone to get you to a new level. And I'm telling you what, when God is ready to turn it around, nothing's going to stop it. There's not a person, not a sickness, not a demon, not an addiction, not a bondage, not even a political party. Nothing will stop when God says it's time to turn around. And you may say, yeah, but you don't know my boss. You don't know my parents. You don't know my spouse. You don't know my coworker. You don't know my mayor, my governor, my president. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. God knows how to turn the heart of the king. He knows how to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. He knows how to work things together for our good. And listen, when that coworker that's been against you, talking about you, bad-mouthing you to everybody, God can turn it around. So now they are favoring you and want to become your best friend. When that political agenda is against us, God can make it so the agenda fails and God prevails. It really doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural because the supernatural dismisses the natural. Let me say that again. The supernatural dismisses the natural. Listen, I've seen it happen in my own life. When my wife and I were living in Pennsylvania and pastoring in Pennsylvania, she was a few weeks pregnant with our twins. And she was going, because of having twins, 
she had to go to ultrasound visits a little more often. And while she was on her way to the doctor for the ultrasound visit, the Holy Spirit spoke to her. And the Holy Spirit said, there's going to be complications. Don't worry. It'll all be well. Now, my wife, if you know her, she's not a worrier. She really doesn't worry about anything. So she knew this was going to be pretty serious, and it was. Now, long story short, there was a death sentence that was pronounced over our twins. We had to fly down to Tampa to see the leading specialist in the United States where he told us, your twins will not survive. There is no possible way. Just go home and prepare for them to die. But you know what we did? We stood in faith. We stood on the word of the Lord that we should not worry, but all would be well. In fact, after we got the news from the doctor, we still had two more days before our flight flew back home. So we just went and vacationed in Florida. We were not going to worry. We refused to worry. And as things progressed and did not get better, in fact, it got worse. We stayed worry, worried free and we believed that the God of turnaround would show up on the scene. And folks, he did. The twins were born too much premature. And uh, they were so small that literally my wedding ring would go all the way up their arm to their shoulder. That's how tiny they were. The doctor, when he cut the cord, he declared there is no way this should be attached to a living baby because the umbilical cords were completely filled with blood clots. Folks, I'm telling you there is nothing impossible with God. It is not a question of how. It is a declaration of however. Your twins will die. However, the Lord says they shall live and proclaim the wonderful works of God. Give him some praise. Amen. It's turnaround time. Look at your neighbor and say, it's turnaround time. Listen, some of you, maybe, maybe you're facing some financial hardships. You know, I don't know, maybe you're a multimillionaire and you're not facing any hard financial hardships. If you are, see me afterwards. But uh, <laughs> maybe you're facing financial hardships and you're like, I really don't know what to do. Can I tell you, first of all, God is not broke. Heaven is not in a recession. Come on. A few years ago, uh, our ministry went through a real lean time financially. Don't, don't know why, you know, but um, you know, our ministry is based on faith. Whatever comes in, the offering comes in kind of a thing. We had really no other income to speak of, and I don't know why, but churches really weren't giving, and so we had literally gone three months with no paycheck or housing check. And um, the enemy was whispering in the ear, you need to stop doing what you're doing. You just need to go get a job kind of a thing. But we determined that we would not move in fear. We would move in faith. In fact, we so trusted God that my wife would write out tithe checks on income we weren't receiving. Because she knew it was just a matter of time until it came in. That was an act of faith, right? So the devil was saying, stop traveling. And I could have moved in fear and I could have done that. But we didn't. And it was just coming up in the time of June where I normally go down to Pennsylvania, Maryland, and West Virginia to do ministry. I said to my wife, honey, there's enough room in the credit card for this month-long trip. Because the credit cards were getting racked up, right? If you don't have any income and you still need to spend money, you know where it goes, right on the credit card. I said, there's enough room in this one credit card. I'll get through my month-long trip. But after that, we're done. We will need a miracle. We will need the God of turnaround to come on the scene. And so we were praying and we were believing God. While I was down in Pennsylvania... A friend from high school I had not seen in a bit reached out to me and said, Tim, while you're here, could, could we get together for lunch? I said, sure. So we got together, went to Cheddar's, great croissants. And um, while we were at Cheddar's, she said, listen, she said, the Lord has spoken to me that I'm supposed to sow 
a financial seed, one into your ministry and one into your personal life. I'm like, so baby so, you know what I mean? <laughs> she handed me a check for the ministry for $5,000. I was like, praise God, that's going to get us caught up in our back pay. And then she handed us a personal check for over $12,000. Now listen, we were not on social media advertising to everybody that we had a financial need. But folks, the God of turnaround came on the scene, amen? And we saw a provision. And when the devil came on the scene saying, I'm going to strangle the man of God with his finances so he can't do what God's called him to do, God slapped the great big old however on it and turned it around, amen? Can I tell you that all the promises of God are yes and amen? Can I tell you God is not going to fail you? He's fighting for you. You may be in a mess, but he's going to make it into a message. Amen. You may be in a trial, but he's going to turn it into triumph. Why? Because he is the God of turnaround. He's going to turn your stress into blessing. Come on. Good old Jeremiah is coming up for our men's conference and all this stuff, and his car breaks down in Amesbury. <laughs> well, there just went about a thousand bucks, huh? Going to turn the stress into blessing. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to take your captivation and make it liberation. He's the God who restores the broken things. He's the God who repairs the breach. And nothing is impossible for God. And here's a final verse I want us to look at. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. Hebrews 6, 12 tells us this. Through faith and patience, we receive the, the promises of God. Through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. Through what? Faith, faith and patience. That tells me we have to be a people of faith and have patience. Folks, we got to learn to stand in faith, walk faith, live faith, speak faith, and pray faith. Amen? Can I tell you that your faith needs to be dumb to doubt? It needs to be deaf to discouragement. It needs to be blind to impossibilities, and it needs to be numb to the circumstances. Because if you don't stand in faith, you will sink in fear every time. you got to stand in faith. And let me just say this. Fear that is tolerated is faith that is contaminated. So don't let fear get in because it will contaminate your faith. So you've got to exercise your faith. You've got to believe and you've got to know what the word of God declares and you hold on to it. You can't doubt and waver. You can't know so today and well, I hope so tomorrow. You can't do that. We have to stand strong on the truth that God does not lie and his word is true. Amen. Amen. If he said it, you believe it and that settles it. But we can't just be a people of faith and that's it. We have to abide in what? Patience. Now, most of the time when we hear the word patience, you know, we think of something negative, like waiting in line at the DMV. How many know the DMV is the seventh circle of hell? Hallelujah. Just somebody say amen. Right? But let me tell you, now, Freddie will remember this, but let me tell you, there are two Greek words for patience. We just translate them both in English as patience. The first one is Hoopermone. Remember that, Freddie, walking down the halls of faith school? Kids shouting, Hoopermone. What does that mean? It means a restful abiding under. A restful abiding under. And every time, every say every time. Every time. Say it again, every time. every time. 
every time the Bible uses the word patience in relation to us receiving something from God, it's always hupermone. Whether it's your promises, your miracle, your breakthrough, whatever, it's always hupermone. That means it's supposed to be a pleasant experience. Now, there is a word for patience. That means hard, enduring, suffering, struggling, right? There is a word for that. And that word is macrothumio. This is the word that's used to describe that hard, struggling word that we would think of like with the DMV. And it's almost always used when it comes to relationships. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, when Paul says, show patience to those who cause frustration. What he's saying is, macrothumio, you, you have to restrain yourself. I know you want to slap Sister Bucket Mouth. But you can't. You got to use self-restraint. You have to endure the hardship until it finally passes. So macrothermio is the word used when he says have patience with your fellow man. And it's the same word when he says have patience with the chastening of the Lord. Just endure it. Right? Just endure it. But folks... When it comes to believing God for your healing, when it comes to believing God for your miracle, your breakthrough, your victory, your turnaround, it is never macrothermio. It is always hupermone. Come on, somebody ought to shout. You don't have to endure and suffer waiting for the manifestation of your miracle. You just restfully abide. You just restfully abide. That's why Jesus said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. You shall ask whatever you desire, and it shall be given unto you. Now, listen, some of you are wanting to turn around. But you are refusing to stand in faith and refusing to be patient. You're too busy moaning and groaning and whining and complaining. Too busy talking to everybody else about your problem instead of talking to your problem in faith. Now, listen, as a traveling minister, I'm six months out of the year away from home traveling. Been doing about 13 years now, right? And as a traveling minister, I do not like the gas prices. They're a little bit better than what they used to be. There was a little bit of a time where it was really, really bad. But let me tell you what I'm not doing. I'm not at the pump grumbling about the gas prices, letting all that negativity flow out of my mouth. Why? I really don't care how high the gas prices go. They will never go higher than my God can supply. Amen? I'm going to speak to the pump if I have to. I'm going to stand in faith and declare the word of God. And listen, too many of us are missing our miracle. We're hindering our healing. We're frustrating our faith because of the constant flow of negative words that keep coming out of our mouth. Do not miss your turnaround time because you allowed your emotions to override your faith. Stand in faith and walk in Hoopermone, the kind of patience that restfully abides. Kind of like going over to somebody's house for dinner, right? Somebody invites you to come over. Why don't you come on over? Pastor Freddie, bring newbie over. Let's come on over and have dinner. We'll eat at seven. Okay. So when he shows up, you know, my wife pops out of the kitchen and says, it's going to be about another 15 minutes till we eat. Well, he's not going to stomp his foot on the ground and say, I've had it with this and out the door he goes. What's he going to do? He's going to patiently wait, right? Hey, help yourself. There's a couch. There's some lemonade. And we're going to have conversation. We're going to chew the fat. 
right? Shoot the breeze, whatever colloquialism you want to use. But we're going to do that. And we're just going to patiently wait because we know the promise is coming. Folks, that's how it should be. You don't frantic and pace back and forth. No, you stand in faith. You abide in patience and you will see the miracle. You'll see the breakthrough. You'll see the turnaround. And if it's not like that, then it needs to be like that. Through faith and patience, we receive the promises of God. Mylon, would you come? Would you stand with me this morning? I'm here to tell you guys it's turnaround time. It's turnaround time. Did you know that that word repent in the New Testament literally means to turn around? It means to turn around, go in a different direction. So you were heading this way, right? This is the way you're going. And when you repent, it means you turn around and you go the opposite way. Now, New Testament repentance is different than Old Testament repentance. Old Testament repentance, we tore our clothes, we threw ashes on our head, we snotted on the carpet, we boo-hoo, we cry. That's Old Testament repentance. That's not New Testament repentance. New Testament repentance is you change the way you think about stuff. That's why the Bible says godly sorrow, snot on the carpet, godly sorrow leads to repentance. So that godly sorrow, you may have the emotional, man, I'm really sorry, I'm crying, that's fine. That should lead you to what? To change. These people that are like, man, I'm really sorry. I slept with a girlfriend last night. Forgive me, Jesus. Honey, you want to meet tomorrow night? (laughs) And the night after that? No. That's not repentance. Come on. Repentance is I change my way of thinking. I turn it around. Some of you may be here and you need to repent of your sins. You need to repent for being away from Jesus. You need to stop the road that you're going, which is paved right to hell, and turn around and get on the highway that leads to heaven, amen? By receiving Jesus as your personal savior. Come on. Some of you need to repent of not making Jesus the Lord of your life. Oh, you know him as savior, but is he Lord? Is he really the Lord of your life? Is he the Lord of your remote control? Is he the Lord of your wallet? Is he the Lord of your screen time? Is he the Lord of your Spotify? Come on. Does he have supreme control over your life? Because if he's the Lord, then you're the servant. Right? Are we saying, yes, God, whatever he wants me to do? Yes, Lord. I walk in obedience to the king. So maybe you're here and you need to repent and come to Christ as a savior. But maybe you're here and you're saved, but you need to repent for not making him Lord of your life. Amen? And listen, you may be here and some of you need to repent for the way you're talking. Some of you would do very well to cut a piece of duct tape about this long and slap it right over your lips. Call it duct tape ministry. Who wants to head it up, right? Close the mouth. Stop the negative flow that's coming out of your mouth because the Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. Amen? We've got to stop spouting doubt and start speaking faith. Come on. I, I, I believe in the last couple of years, God's been doing something, right? How many remember in December of 2019, everybody was like, oh, 2020, perfect vision. Hallelujah. In 2020, God's given us perfect vision. Oh, he sure did. We saw a lot of stuff clear in 2020, didn't we? Huh? Let me tell you what 2020 was. 2020 was God trying to get the church 
to exercise their faith over the fear of sickness and disease. 2021 was God was trying to get the church to exercise faith over the fear of the unknown because we didn't know what was happening. 2022, God was trying to get the church to exercise faith over the fear of finances because everything was up and shortages and all this stuff. And we're in 2023 and God's trying to get the church to exercise faith over some kind of fear because way too much fear is in the church. Same in or ouch. Probably ouch. Because there's a lot of fear in the church. Listen, we got to cut out the fear. No fear here. And we got to start exercising faith with our mouth. Amen? And maybe you're here. And after hearing today, you need to repent of patience, not having the right patience. Amen? I know some of you sit in a church service on Sunday and you endorse Sister Bucketmouth. Can't wait for the service to be over because, you know, she's really irritating. But when it comes to the promises of God, you're like, God, I want my healing and I want it right now. I want everything now, God. No, 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 no. Don't grow weary in doing well. Keep holding on to the word of God. If you don't faint, you will reap a harvest. Amen. Have that hoopermone, that restful abiding. God has not set you up for failure. He set you up for success. If he's given you the promise in his word, stand in faith and patiently abide. Wait, restfully abide, knowing that it's coming to pass. Amen? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Father, I pray over your people today. God, you know exactly. You know exactly where each person is. You know exactly where each person is in their walk. Maybe they're here and they need Jesus as a Savior. The Bible says, if you'll call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. If you'll believe in your heart and make a confession with your mouth, you shall be saved. So if you've never given your heart to Jesus, all you got to do right where you're at is say, Jesus, will you save me? Will you forgive me? Will you cleanse me? Will you come into my life and give me a brand new life? I'm telling you, if you pray that in just simple faith, believing, God will come in and do a work. And maybe you're here and you're like, Tim, you're right. I'm saved and I know that I am. But Jesus really isn't Lord. I still watch stuff I shouldn't watch. I still go places I shouldn't go. I still do things I shouldn't do. I'm not really surrendered fully to the Lord. He's not the Lord of my life. Today I want to repent of that. I want to turn from that. I want to make him Lord of all. Because if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Maybe you're here and you have to say, yeah, Tim, I've not been walking in faith. I've been walking in fear. I'm always fearful about this, fearful of the economy, fearful of another disease, fearful of another pandemic, fearful of a job loss, fearful of the recession, fearful of the inflation, fearful I'm going to be alone the rest of my life. Whatever it is, we've got to stop with the fear and start exercising our faith. And maybe you've been standing in faith for something, standing in faith for a healing, for a deliverance, for a breakthrough. And you've been really impatient about it, getting frustrated with God and even get to the place where you're starting to get bitter towards God because you're not seeing it. Can I just encourage you, Hoopermone, Hoopermone, restfully abide. God has not set the stage to make you look like a fool. The Bible says he always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. That means God's always setting you up for success. He's never setting you up for failure. So believe that if he said it, he will perform it. Just expect that the God of turnaround is going to come on the scene. 
It looks pretty desperate many times in my life, many events in my life. It looked desperate, but he's always an on-time God. May not be our timetable, but he's always an on-time God. So right now, Father, will you just begin to minister to your people? Lord, right now, will you just begin to encourage your people? Will you start to let faith begin to arise in their hearts right now in Jesus' name? Father, will you cause fear to be vanquished in the name of Jesus? We vanquish fear right now in Jesus' name. We say no fear here. That which is not of faith is sin. If we're operating in fear, we're operating in sin. So we cut off the fear in the name of Jesus. We exercise our faith and we say thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for faith. It's the kind of faith that moves mountains. It's the kind of faith that uproots mulberry trees. It's the kind of faith that speaks peace to the storm. Let faith arise right now in Jesus' name. And God, give us the revelation of hoopermone, the hoopermone of God, the patience. I don't have to get anxious. I don't have to get worrisome. I don't have to get nervous. I don't have to get impatient. But I restfully abide knowing that he is working all things together for my good. He is my shepherd and I shall not want. He leads me. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. He's taking me somewhere. I don't have to fear. I just restfully abide. So Father, minister to your people right now. I'm going to pray a prayer to close and dismiss, but I want to encourage you that if you need special prayer, I want you to come forward. Jeremiah be here to help me minister. Pastor Freddie will be here. We just want to lay hands upon you and agree with you. If there's something that you need to have an agreement with, we want to do that. So, Father, as we dismiss this service and leave this place but not your presence, I pray, God, that you will be with your people. You'll go with them as they go out on highways and byways. Keep them safe. Keep them protected. Keep them, Father, walking in a spirit of faith. Let the spirit of faith rise up inside of them. Corinthians says, we having that same spirit of faith. We got a spirit of faith about us. So, Lord, let us exercise it. And this week, God, there's going to be times where we're going to need the macrothermio. But, Lord, when it comes to your promises, let it be hoopermone. Give us that revelation in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. If you need special prayer, would you come?